Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I am your host, Chase DeMarco, and today we're going to cover some more of the science of successful learning. And if there is one takeaway I really have from all of this research, it's that easier isn't better. We often fall into the sort of false mentality that we want to make our learning as easy as possible to be efficient, but that's not actually how learning works. So in particular today, we're going to cover a lot of the top key points from one of my favorite books about learning, Make It Stick. If you haven't read Make It Stick yet, I highly recommend it. The more you learn about learning, the more effective your own learning is going to be. And we're going to add a couple of resources into the show notes for this. If you don't have time to read the entire book right now, in particular, there's one from retrievalpractice.org, which is a great website for the science of learning. And another is from the APA. So feel free to check those out for kind of brief summary points of the highlights of this book. But we're going to cover a lot of them here too. And I know we've covered a lot of them in the past, but it bears repeating because the more you hear this material and the more you start implementing it bit by bit, it's hard to be perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. But if you take little lessons from each episode and start improving your own learning, it's going to benefit you so much in the near future. So really what Make It Stick does, and a lot of cognitive psychology of learning material, is to dispel these learning myths, these things that we've thought about or passed down from generation to generation, and they're not really accurate. And again, we've covered a lot of these before, but let's go over some of the top ones from the book. One of them is that if you keep repeating your own exposure to material, then you're going to learn. That rereading my notes, rereading a textbook page or a chapter is going to somehow improve my knowledge of the subject material. And study after study just shows that this is not how it works. It's easy to review our notes or to reread a paragraph or chapter, but it doesn't actually benefit our learning all that much. We start to develop this illusion of knowing, this illusion of knowledge, and you think you know material because you recognize it on a page. You've already covered it before. It's not new material so I must know it. But in reality, when you need to use a material, that's a totally different aspect of your memory. That's from recall, not recognition of material. But we do these tasks because they're easy, because they're simple, and because we think that we're learning better. Let's try to limit our exposure to these illusions of knowledge. So when it comes to actually achieving great gains in our learning and for long-term retention, we want to implement a couple of techniques, many of which, again, we've discussed in the past, but I just love going over these. So let's cover the first technique and the myth that goes along with it. And that's really that if you focus on just one thing at a time, you really completely focus on one subject matter, one discipline, whatever that is, that it's going to increase your ability to learn that material. Now, let's not confuse this with multitasking. Yes, you do want to focus on your material. You want to be attentive to it, aware of what's going on at that point in time, what material you're covering. But studying one thing for a long period of time is not nearly as beneficial as interleaving. So let's go over that first technique. 
Interleaving is when you sparse out different types of material within a study session or a day. You switch back and forth between anatomy and pharmacology and pathology and even integrate them to some degree. But when you switch materials back and forth, you start to notice commonalities within these disparate disciplines. And when you notice these, your brain starts to make connections that you can't really develop just from reading material. It's your own process of learning, which is different for each one of us. So the key here is when you are studying, don't be single-minded on just this one narrow view of the material. You want to space it out. You want to use a varied practice, and that will improve your attention and gains in knowledge much better. Another common misconception, this kind of goes back to the beginning, is with our learning, we don't want to take the path of least resistance. It's really counterproductive. I know it's intuitive to do so because we figure, oh, it's easier. I'll get through the material quicker. I'll have more time for X, Y, or Z. But we actually want to add in what they call desirable difficulties. And these difficulties, these mistakes, these failures actually help your learning much better than making something so easy that it's repetitive, that it's simple, that you don't have to put in a lot of mental effort into it. Again, that goes back to the illusion of knowledge. If it's easy, we're probably not making the progress that we actually want to see. You want to add in varied practices. You want to mix flashcards with practice quizzes, with reciting information to students or to non-students. You want to test out the material in many different ways and see where your gaps in knowledge are. Make it difficult, not so much so that you're getting stressed out, but kind of like our deliberate practice episode recently. You want it to be within the boundary that you're still growing, you're still stressing yourself out a little bit to gain that little bit of benefits or new knowledge or notice a weak point in your studies, but not to the point that it's detrimental. This actually goes back with flow as well. All of these concepts are intertwined. They all have a lot of the same basic science topics behind them. Like the concept of them is very similar. They're just coming at these topics from slightly different viewpoints. So I like seeing that there is so much consistency in how to grow, how to learn best. And these are things that we can implement ourselves with proper training, with proper knowledge of how learning works. Another way to avoid this illusion of knowledge is by elaboration and by reflecting on our knowledge. So when you're taking a topic, instead of just recognizing it from your notes or from a chapter, elaborate on the material, get a deeper understanding, go to different resources sometimes, or ask someone with greater knowledge than you. Start to ask more high-level questions about the material, not just A matches to B, but how does that match to C and D? How can these things be changed around to get a similar or completely different answer? How do these chemical reactions and drug side effects interact or relate to each other? And how can we maybe combat those? So when you start asking these questions or have someone else ask them to you, or you ask them to someone else, you'll get a deeper set of questions of higher level questions that you can then go research and elaborate on. Of course, if you haven't done so already, you can definitely check out our book, Read This Before Medical School, and that covers a lot of these topics in much more detail than I can in these brief episodes. It gives examples, it gives many other topics that we haven't covered in previous or recent episodes of the podcast. So 
if you have the interest to really learn more about the cognitive psychology of learning and medical mnemonics and all of these other techniques that we discuss on the show, consider checking out Read This Before Medical School. Another interesting point from the book that I haven't really covered a whole lot in the past is the Dunning-Kruger effect. And a lot more people seem to be aware of this effect in recent years. It's been used in a whole host of topics that we're just not going to get into right now. But it basically says that we are not good judges of our own abilities. We tend to overestimate or overcompensate for what we think we know. If you were to ask your class, how many of you are above average drivers? You'll probably get 80 to 90% raising their hand. Obviously, this is statistically impossible unless your class just happens to be some of the best drivers in the world. Only 50% of you should raise your hand and the other 50% should not. Average is 50%. So we all seem to overestimate our abilities and our knowledge on certain topics. And the only way to really get clarification of this is through mentorship and through quantitative measurements to see how we can match up to others in our peer group. And I'm not saying that all assessments are proper ways to gauge our abilities or knowledge. A lot of assessments have an end goal that's not really correlated to any particular important factor that we should be interested in as students. But it is a way to test at least certain styles of book learning. So if that's a focus of yours, use an assessment for that. If you have a different topic or skill set that you want to train, that you want to be assessed on, you're going to have to find something probably outside of the school textbooks. So if you want to be tested on a skill, you're going to have to practice that skill. If you want to be tested in patient care, you're going to have to see patients. So standardized paper tests aren't going to be the best assessment tool for that type of skill acquisition or assessment. Just make sure to try different things and know what your goals are again. If you don't have goals set properly, you don't know which type of assessment to use for what type of skill or knowledge-based inquiry. For example, if you're trying to elaborate and get a deeper understanding of material, you're not going to want to take a standardized multiple choice question exam. You might want to do something open-ended, whether it be with yourself or with a classmate. Try to name two or three things about this topic that you found particularly interesting and why. How can we use this knowledge for something in a real-life scenario? Open-ended is always much, much better than MCQs, multiple-choice questions. But they're also very difficult for instructors to write. So these could be good things for group instruction or for studying with a classmate. When you don't have that ability, you can try to do your own maybe essay exams or even the flashcards because they implement a lot more recall and synthesis of information than just checking a box from a multiple choice question list. That effortful retrieval is extremely important for long-term retention. And to take this one step further, we need to understand the difference between factual knowledge and conceptual knowledge because it's very easy to focus on factual knowledge and think that we understand something. But the conceptual knowledge is how to actually implement it and in a diverse clinical setting, for instance. So although factual knowledge is sort of a basis, a foundation of where you should focus uh, initially, you want to get out of that as soon as possible. You want to elaborate. You want more conceptual knowledge because that'll lead to deeper understanding of the material. 
So what's another popular myth that they cover in this book? And I know we've discussed this in a few episodes in the past, but it bears repeating because there seems to still be a huge following for this concept, this theory, this learning theory, and that is the learning styles. You're either an audio learner or a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner, etc., etc. And that just does not hold up consistently. Students are different types of learners in different settings. So the best thing you can do as a learner or as an instructor is to implement as many different types of learning in every setting. You want to make sure to give a variety of examples, concrete examples, audio examples, visual examples, to get a more well-rounded understanding of the material. If you focus on just one style, if you only watch videos, if you only read your textbook, you are going to miss out on key points in certain areas. You're going to have a limited amount of retention for those types of topics when you're not implementing multiple learning styles. So what do we want to do before we sit down for a study session or a class lecture or a video series? We want to prime ourselves with the information. Read or review the summary of a chapter beforehand, or just skim through and see the subheadings of the chapter. That'll give you a general idea of what is going to be covered there. Skim through the bolded or highlighted words that are already there. You don't need to highlight extra in most contemporary textbooks. They'll bold the key terms and points that they want you to know. So you can take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, and skim through a chapter real quick and be primed enough to know what to expect on that chapter, on that material going forward. And once your brain is already primed for that, then when you cover the material, it's like a second rehearsal. You're going in more depth that time, but you already knew what to expect. So your brain wasn't trying to switch from whatever you were doing earlier that day into study mode. You're kind of already in study mode. And now you can focus a little bit more on the key details. I think the last thing to cover today, which we did cover in the book, but it's really important to mention this again as well, is the growth mindset. It is very easy for students to get into this plateau when they're studying and say, all right, this is my limitation. This person's doing better than me next to me because they're smarter than I am. And again, studies show that's not true. There is no such thing as a naturalist when it comes to learning. It's just different types of skill sets. And yes, we do have structurally and functionally different brains. Your brain is reshaped by all of your experiences, by all of the knowledge you've gained before, to some degree or another. But that is not a limiting factor. The growth mindset means that you're constantly telling yourself, I can do this. I can get better. I can get past this roadblock with the right tools. So we've covered a lot of those tools in the past. Deliberate practice, using flow, using these techniques here with space retrieval, with interleaving, even using the medical mnemonics, the memory palaces, all of these tools that we've used in past episodes will put you a little bit above where you were before. And remember, it's about small incremental change over time. Nothing is going to make you a genius immediately. And learning isn't supposed to be fun. If it's too easy, you're probably not doing something right. So get out of that comfort zone. Get out of the illusion of knowledge. Start working a little bit harder with certain techniques. In the long run, they make your memory much more robust, your knowledge much longer retention. So get out there, try something new, and become a better learner. I'll see you next week.
The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.